Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, your host, Michaela Thomas. In this episode, it might sound like we're doing something promotional, but we're not. We're just talking about something that is a very crucial tool for a lot of women who are finding themselves in the postnatal period. When we say postnatal, we think of it as actually any time after you've had children. So if you were a mum of little ones, maybe little babies, toddlers, preschoolers, or if you have school-aged children, or if your children are teenagers, they're still affecting you. Your motherhood journey is still very much a part of your life. So today I've invited Sarah Campin, who's the founder of the Nourish app, to talk to me about the importance of nourishing ourselves. This will be quite centralised around motherhood, but if you're not yet a mother or you are indeed a father, this is still important for you to tune into. Because this will cover things around letting go of some pressures of perfection, lowering that expectation you have on yourself, and treating yourself with more compassion. So let's introduce my guest. Sarah Campen is the mum of two, a personal development coach and founder of the Nourish app, a new well-being app for mums offering bite-sized well-being and calm in your pocket. Sarah is a passionate advocate of all things that nourish the mind and is on a mission to empower mums to look after their mental health and well-being by making self-care easy and accessible for them. The Nourish app is a curated library of on-demand videos, audios and quick reads across mindfulness, breathing, yoga nidra, psychology and more, all tailor-made for mums by a team of well-being experts. The app is available for iOS and Android and it's free to download and explore. And there's a hint here that I am one of those well-being experts, so I have a few videos and audios on the app. Now let's dive in to introduce Sarah and her very powerful and honest account of motherhood in a way that if you are a mum-to-be or you are a mum who's struggling, really tune into this because this powerful, honest account can help you understand that you're not alone. I am so very glad to introduce my friend Sarah Campen from the Nourish app to talk to us about just that, about why we have to make the space for nourishing ourselves. So tell us a little bit more about your background story, Sarah, for those of you who are not familiar with your work. Sure. So maybe just briefly about the Nourish app. So Nourish is a well-being app for mums, offering bite-sized calm and well-being in mum's pocket. Really, we want to empower mums to look after their mental health so they can find more connection, compassion and calm in all that chaos, the pressures and all the turmoil of modern motherhood. You know, we really know just how hard self-care is. So we want to make it easy and more accessible for time-poor busy mums. And we do that by providing an on-demand multidisciplinary self-care toolkit at mum's fingertips. Really jam-packed, full of practical tools and insights, all tailored to the emotions and challenges mums face. So that's what Nourish is. And I created Nourish really after my own personal struggles with my mental health and well-being, not only as a new mum, 
but also in juggling the pressures of work and mothering and the transformational impact that self-care had on my life, not only as a mum, but also as a professional and not only the impact on my life, but also the enormous positive impact it had on my family and my relationships with my kids and my husband. So, yeah, so I guess just like winding back the time, you know, I was head of research strategy at Cancer Research UK when my successful career collided smack bang with new motherhood and everything that had really helped me excel in my career, the perfection, the planning, the control, all that, you know, strong women, independence, all of that seemed to actually make motherhood harder. And I think no one really prepared me for that enormous psychological transition that we undertake as women. And so I really struggled alone in silence, like I think so many women do, um, not seeking help and not wanting to appear like a failure. So I struggled the first time around, but I really didn't identify with having a mental health condition. You know, I, I'm lucky I wasn't on the severe end, but looking back now, I think I was definitely struggling and you know one of my biggest regrets is not getting support early on second time round, I thought it would all be different I would be more relaxed but obviously that was easier said than done my son had silent reflux and I know you know uh, a lot about that Michaela as well yeah um, unfortunately. And, unfortunately and I and I really struggled and that time I was in quite a more reflective space I think me and my husband were more aware of how much we had both struggled the first time around. Um, and so I did seek help from my GP and was diagnosed with anxiety. And I was, but I was, again, I wasn't on the severe end. So I didn't, I wasn't offered personalized support and I wasn't offered tailored support. I was sent on a group CBT course and offered some antidepressants, which, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about that, but I felt quite frustrated by the lack of that kind of tailored resources to what I was going through and you know I, w I needed to really feel held and understood as a mum but you know through that process it was that group CBT course for generalized anxiety that really kind of challenged my opened me up to challenging my thoughts and you know and it I guess it was the very early beginning of my journey with mindfulness although it was actually four you know not four years later but a couple of years later when I was juggling the work um stresses of work and mothering you know I'd rush back to work slightly if I'm honest to kind of escape the challenge of looking after two small children and kind of wanting to return to that old me but I I was close to hitting burnout and hit rock bottom where I was giving all my energy into my work with nothing left to my kids and I was exhausted and shouty all the time you know just not the mother that I wanted to be and I, I kind of hit this point where I just thought there has to be a different way uh, this is not what motherhood's all about um, so I set off on my journey my my daughter was four my son was two and I was doing some project work at the time and I was able to not take on a new project and I you know decided to dedicate some time for me um, I started working with a life coach and really set off on my mission to find more love, joy and calm and compassion in motherhood. And it was on that journey that I learned so much 
so many practical tools, but also so much insight from these amazing women and experts who are also mums who are sharing their wisdom through other channels such as Instagram and thought, wouldn't it be amazing to bring all of this, um, you know, wisdom and all of these insights and practical tools from from these amazing women all into one safe and compassionate place, a place that mums could really feel held and understood, but was also really completely devoid of judgment and away from all of those pressures of social media and maybe some of those other forums. And so that was really the beginning of, you know, my journey with Nourish. Yeah, that's really powerful, Sarah. And obviously I, I know the story because you've You've shared it with me before, and when we've done, uh, you know, speaking engagements together for Nourish, I've heard it, but this still moves me every single time because it shows so clearly of how we can still find passion and purpose in the middle of hardship or after hardship. We can find there's something that propels us forward. That actually, I want something to change. It cannot be like this. Something needs to be better. And I think that that almost like anger and determination I think has propelled you forward because I know you've done a lot of things to get this app out into the world and obviously these amazing women that we are all collaborating with on the Nourish app that's just been a joy to be part of this project and I guess for you personally do you feel that this is kind of a work in progress as an ongoing journey to address your issues around perfectionism or anxiety or do you feel that that was something you dealt with at the time? No, I think this is a, an ongoing issue um, very much. I mean, it is an ongoing issue, something that I work on daily. But I think there was a huge shift of just understanding around compassion. <laughs> you know, those insights, just understanding that we are all only human um, and that we all only have this finite amount of resources to get us through the day, for example. And, you know, this is wisdom that I've, learned along the way from you know people like you and from wonderful Susie Redding you know understanding that and just having that greater compassion for myself you know but implementing those tools it doesn't mean that it's a quick fix you know these habits (laughs) come back and bite us throughout the course of our lives you know so it is definitely something that I I still work on you know there is a huge shift from where I was, you know, eight years ago, I've come a long, long way since then. Yeah. And it's also, I guess it's really powerful to consider that the same skill set that got you somewhere in your career and actually to a, a powerful position where you'd, you know, you were doing a lot of things that perfection actually maybe served you in in some ways. Actually, a lot of people who are high striving say that they feel that they're propelled, propelled forward with the need to control and and be busy where actually the, you get the polar opposite effects with that in motherhood. And I wonder if you can think of any examples of where actually having really high expectations for yourself and, and having the pressure to be perfect. How, how do you think that's impacted the, your experience of parenthood or you know, any of the stories you hear from other people where they've had similar issues? How do you think that impacts uh, parenthood? I think it has a huge impact on parenthood because I think the kind of societal pressures and expectation that we put up is put upon us from society but really we put therefore on ourselves about this perfect image of what motherhood will be like. I think that was a huge factor in why I struggled particularly the first time round. you know when you're you have this image of what motherhood will look like and then when it doesn't live up to that 
you know that kind of almost disappointment it's hard to label it as that but it creates this additional stress because you're constantly striving for that perfection for your baby to conform to the you know Gina Ford routines and all of that had a huge impact on me and and my journey into motherhood there's this hilarious photo that I found the other day of me a couple of a couple of days after giving birth to my daughter and it ended up being a c-section so that's there's another example for you you know we have these expectations of this perfect birth and what it will be like and then you know and it doesn't work out like that so you can you can already start motherhood feeling like a failure but this this picture of me is me breastfeeding with my you know those awful socks that you have on with a <laughs> when you've had a c-section but um I think it's about your your circulation or something and I'm wearing basically these socks and a big shirt and I'm and I'm breastfeeding whilst also reading Gina Ford um, <laughs> And the, the look of concern and concentration and intensity oh, on my face is just hilarious. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, you're just trying to get it right so hard. And I yeah. just, I kind of just wish somebody had just said to me, like, you know, or just highlighted to me those tendencies that we have when we are high striving, we are perfectionists that potentially are going to get in our way when we <laughs> enter motherhood. You know, and and so I looked to the Gina Fords and uh, and the like to be able to control my my daughter and her sleep. And obviously, some babies that works with, but it definitely didn't with mine. And it just caused me a huge amount of pain and stress. And does that leave you feeling even more like a failure when you were using these routines and these instructions, and you know, baby would not comply with that? Yes, totally. And I think that that is exactly those those feelings of failure, the stress and anxiety that we feel when we don't live up to that perfection. But then those feelings of failure, which are just so inherent in motherhood anyway, because we're setting ourselves so so much up for a fall. And then with the modern world and the comparisons on social media, even when you I think I, I said at the beginning, this feeling that we're all suffering on in silence as well and you know we we don't always talk openly about the struggles that we're going through and it's quite hard even with your best friends to really open up to some of those struggles and because often we go through these experiences at different stages to our best friends we might see friends go through it and think oh well you know they sailed through it they didn't because they don't necessarily open up to you at the Mm -hmm. time And then I guess the people who are going through it at the same time as you, maybe um, that you've met through antenatal classes or similar, actually, you don't know them that well. um, And it's quite hard to be completely honest about, you know, what you're going through. So it's so easy to end up just thinking like everybody else is acing it and and you're really struggling, whereas (laughs) often that really isn't the case. Mm, and I can really, can really confirm that sense of isolation that everyone else is having, you know, a good time at this. Everyone else is, you know, enjoying every moment of motherhood, which is the bit I really hate. Um, that's okay to have mixed emotions about it. You can feel the joy and the love and feel the boredom, the tediousness and the, the worries and anxieties uh, all in a, a happy mixed bag. One of the things I often hear is that because of those pressures to really ace motherhood, that people don't share these stories, they're not really authentic or vulnerable enough with each other. People who are high striving then continue to be 
keeping that facade outwards. Like I'm not going to tell anyone. And it really still baffles me how many people lie about how their babies sleep. Have you come across that as well, where you've heard other people were like, yeah, yeah, they sleep through the night. And I actually turns out later that they don't. I often always find that fascinating that people hide that as if it's a badge of honor that you've managed to sort of quote unquote, sort your baby out. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I don't know so much about people, you know, necessarily lying, but I think it's that kind of story of the, sh- you know, we only see the show reel. Yeah. So when you, you know, maybe somebody on Facebook, the worst thing that you could possibly put on Facebook is my son slept through the night and he's only eight weeks old or something. And you just, everybody else is wanting to like stick daggers into you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they they won't celebrate funny. with you will they they will just be like how dare you and it's such a trigger for a lot of people so and if we don't share the backstory of that or how they you know slept really badly for for months or weeks or you know you just never know that could be a one one hit um one hit show as well it just, it just doesn't happen again there's a lot of pressure there to to kind of be on some sort of trajectory that is a lot of parental responsibility to control something which is often to do with babies' personal development, their brain development, and all babies, like like all adults, are different. So it's, I guess it's interesting how you now, looking back, reflect on how much pressure you put on yourself to sit there with the Gina Ford and the routines and the expectations and trying to control something that which was ultimately out of your control. And I guess, is that why you also thought of creating the, the community that the, the Nourish app comes with, you know, the Facebook group that you run so that people could have that safe space where they could be honest about motherhood and not feel like they have to put that facade up? Yes, exactly. I think, you know, what we've tried to do with the Nourish app is ultimately it's it, we wanted to create this sense of a support team in your pocket that you can reach for anytime, anywhere, but in your own personal safe space. You know, so it's not you don't have to show up on a forum or or a community to access that support. It's in your own time, whenever you need it, under your control, the wrong word. But um, but then obviously it is really important to have this community aspect for those who want it as well, because I think all of the content on the app is, you know, the, the kind of key theme that we wanted to come through it is this compassionate tone of voice where mothers feel validated in the emotions and struggles that they're feeling. But then it's also nice to bring that into kind of real life and say these are real people behind the content and there's other users who are using this app, you're not alone, <laughs> and give that sense of kind of real life connection as well. So, so the kind of community aspect of the app that we've launched not only is an extension of the app in terms of additional kind of um, highlighting other aspects of the content, helping support and create, you know, regular habits and reminders around self-care, but also an opportunity for like-minded mums to, yeah, come together and know that they're not alone um, in their struggles as well. Mm, And so powerful that sometimes, well, I guess not just within sort of motherhood or, or fatherhood, but in any feeling we're experiencing, if someone is there to say, I get it. It makes sense that you feel that way. Somehow the feeling doesn't linger quite as long as if someone is saying, why feeling like that? You should just be feeling joy or, you know, appreciate it because uh, soon they'll grow up and you'll miss these, these moments and the blink of an eye and all these other unhelpful things that people say who've had their children grow up and forgot about those early days when it's really difficult. And I guess, especially in the year we've had in 2020 and now in 2021, to have that virtual community, to have someone else 
to turn to when so many people have had babies and not had baby groups to go to? There's just actually been more isolation than ever. Have you seen any difference in, in, that in the past year of how people have engaged with the app compared to pre-pandemic? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the pandemic has had a huge impact, not only on new, new mums, but every mums, uh, every mum who has been juggling with the weight of the pandemic, but also, you know, maybe school aged um, mums with homeschooling and the extra stress and overwhelm that that has carried. And we've definitely seen an uptake in users and uptake in usage of certain parts of the content. But I think one of the real trajectories that I see as a positive out of all of this is that I think there is this trend towards people realizing how fragile our mental health is and how we need to look after it and support it. You know, more and more, the pandemic is just one example of kind of the modern age that is impacting all of our mental health. And I think you know, the conversations that we were having two years ago when we first launched the app, where it felt like there was this huge um, conversation that we needed, educational piece that we needed to do around, like, why people needed to look after the, you know, we could see that so many people needed this, but they weren't talking about it, and they just didn't understand that they needed it, and these tools were out there. I think I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not saying there's not still a lot of work to be done around that, but I think the pandemic has opened up that conversation um, and that awareness that you know we all need to look after our mental health and there are these tools these positive practical both insights and practical tools that we can do to really positively support ourselves on a daily basis so turning a negative into a positive <laughs> of course. Um, seeing seeing the light um, out of that uh, so yeah, I think there is a sh- I, I think there's a shift and 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 I think that's so important because I think one of the things that really drives me and the passion behind Nourish is that it's not just about looking after ourselves, it's about supporting and protecting the future generations as well, because our mental health has such an impact on our family's mental health as well. And you know, our kids are growing up in a, a modern world that is just you know has carried such a burden on their mental health and the more that we can you know look after our our own mental health and role model that for our kids and support them the better and and I think that's those challenges of the digital age are just gonna you know continue to get worse um, and and continue to impact our kids and, and future generations so I think the more we can do to to highlight this importance and give people these practical tools, um, the better. Mm, I love that as a, as a great starting point for anyone who still feels quite stuck in any sort of guilt stories about I feel guilty if I take time for myself. You know, I would like every mother to know that they deserve to be well and deserve to nourish themselves, not just for the sake of being there for others but because they deserve to be well in themselves because everyone deserves to have well-being. But I guess for a lot of people, the starting point can be, actually, I might, I might try to look after myself so I can be more like the mum I want to be for my children. 
And if that's your way in, then by all means, start from that place to think about how you can only give out uh, things to others when you've topped yourself up as well. So we obviously talk a lot about the, you know, filling up your cup and replenishing yourself so that you can also pour into other people's cups. So that's obviously part of the reason behind why we want to nourish ourselves. But I I really like that powerful way of thinking of self-compassion and self-kindness as also driven by a motivation for you to be well. But a lot of women that I work with aren't anywhere near that. But they might pick up an app and think, actually, maybe if I do some exercises here to calm myself, or maybe I'll be less shouty tomorrow. And that could be a good starting point. So I love how you summarized the reasons why we need to nourish ourselves. Obviously, not just as mothers, but it also was really, I guess, meaningful for you if you would, would have nourished yourself more before you became a mother as well, even in your work role, which sounded very stressful. I guess you talked about finding that compassionate voice. If you could go back in time, ask the kind of more self-compassionate version of you today, what would you have said to that version of you who was struggling in the early days of motherhood, sitting there with those socks on, with that routine Bible and breastfeeding her firstborn? What would you have said to her? I I love this question. I think there's so much that I would say to her. But very much those things that we've talked about already and very much the, the things that you're, you know, all the work that you do is all about. And I, which is why I love it so much. But I would definitely say, you know, let go of perfection. You really are enough. You're doing an amazing job. And also you're not alone in these struggles. And I think most importantly, I would give myself or her a really big hug and just say, this is hard. You're finding it hard because it is hard and you're doing a really fantastic job. Mm, That's really powerful. There's something there about just showing up for yourself, being there to be that support system and also taking some of that pressure off that, you know, you don't need to nail everything. It is enough and you're learning on the job, so to speak, because there's nothing that can really prepare us for that transition into motherhood. When so much of the focus in, in antenatal classes is on the birth. And that's why for anyone who hasn't listened to the Sophie Birch episode I did around um, her work around beyond birth and the mental well-being beyond labor, that's a really, uh, really powerful one. And obviously Sophie, as well as Susie Redding, who was also on this uh, podcast talking about self-care for tough times, we are all on the Nourish app. So we are very much obviously preaching to the converted here, you and me talking to each other about this, but I'm hoping that the listeners will feel that actually maybe there is something here. Maybe I could start to use these kind of practices to be a little bit kinder with myself, soften up that inner critical voice that tells me that I failed, that I'm not doing this right, that other people are coping and I'm not, and all of that making you feel guilty that as if you've not done enough in motherhood. So I'm hoping that if we reach just the one woman who's sitting there and putting a lot of pressure on herself I feel that we've done a good job today Sarah don't you think so yeah definitely definitely it's that permission piece of knowing that you are enough letting go of perfection and and giving yourself permission to take some time for you and as you said earlier that it's so important not only because we can't pour from an empty cup but as you say we all deserve to feel happiness and joy in motherhood it might not be all be happiness and joy and accepting that and coming to terms with that is really important but it shouldn't be a constant grind and you know constant challenge you know and the more we look after ourselves the more we're compassionate with ourselves the more we love ourselves 
the more we can find compassion for others, but we can also find more love and joy and happiness in each and every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that ripple effect out that not just to, that it's, it's important to look after ourselves, but the ripple effect out to our children and to our partners, that the more we are kind to ourselves, the easier it is to, to also be kind to others. So that's a really nice piece of advice that you would have given yourself if you could travel back in time and just give her a really big hug from me as well if you ever go back to visit her. I think that'd be lovely. And I think we've touched upon some some quite hard topics of how the last year has been. And I, I don't want this episode to just be something that is topical around the pandemic because motherhood is hard, period. It's just always hard. Uh, a pandemic has just made it harder. So I want this to still be relevant for people long after we hopefully end, exit this pandemic. When we think about everything that you've done, all this passionate work, you've, you've pursued these ideas and you've even got sort of venture capital investment into your app. So you've been able to grow it and scale it and get it out in front of more mothers. How have you, how on earth have you been able to do that at all in the past year when you yourself have found yourself in that tricky juggling of, of home education and work and no childcare, et cetera? How, how have you managed to do that without burning out in the process? Good question. I mean, it has been tough. And like everybody, it hasn't, you know, not every day has been, <laughs> I have been on form. There have been moments where, you know, I've really struggled. And there's been moments when my husband's really struggled. But I think what, what I have now that I didn't have, say, eight years ago when I became a new mother is this toolkit of resources to turn to in those times of challenge not only on a daily basis, proactively implementing that self-care, but also this multidisciplinary toolkit of other resources that I can really tap into when I'm, when I'm struggling and, and kind of hitting that low period. But, you know, really prioritizing self-care in my life has been the, you know, the fundamental shift in my well-being, in my happiness, in my ability to parent but also to work to have that headspace for work and be able to you know motivate myself behind my desk as well as show up more often as the mum that I want to be and I and I think you know one of the things that I've learned so much from the amazing Nourish team you know from you from Susie from all the others is this point that self-care is not a one-size-fits-all approach but it's also you know even for ourselves it's multidisciplinary and what we need in one moment is different to the next and having this broad toolkit you know that we can turn to depending on our needs and preferences in different moments is so critical so self-care for me at the moment during the pandemic it's meant getting outside every day has been essential for my well-being if, if I haven't managed to do that, then I'm, I'm having a rocky day. And just getting out into physical space has been fundamental. But then on top of that, you know, regular mindfulness practice, tapping into yoga nidra in those times when I can't sleep or when I really, you know, I haven't slept well or I'm totally exhausted and I need that reboot. But also maybe sometimes it's yoga moving so it might be yoga or going for a run so I think just this regular regular self-care has been essential for me in being able to juggle motherhood and the pandemic and the homeschooling and the work but I'm not going to claim it's been easy it's 
you know, I think just knowing that we all have these wobbles and being able to ride through those wobbles and say, you know, it's okay. Some days nothing is working and I need to just know that this day will pass and tomorrow is a new day and just give myself time and permission to feel all those those emotions. I really agree with that. I couldn't agree with that more because otherwise it's a risk that we even put perfectionistic pressure on our self-care to quote unquote fix our emotions. And it's great that we have such a broad toolkit to choose from because it might mean that we then have to, some days we have to just look through all the different tools in the toolkit. And at the end of the day, you still think that actually this day is just a bit of a write-off and tomorrow is another day. So being able to meet yourself in that and say, actually, I've really struggled. I can see how far you've come in those eight years, because if I would have met you then and asked you, how are you? No doubt you would not have been as honest and vulnerable as you've been now talking about the past year and, and highlighting that actually that there's been struggles. I think that's a very powerful thing where that makes it easier to connect with other mothers who've also struggled, but that it has been possible that some days you've made progress, some days you've not made progress, and that might be in your own personal journey and sometimes that might be about the nourish journey i think that's something that you and i have both talked about a lot over the last few years of how do we make something that is so such a passionate important focus and aim also be sustainable for the people who are in it who are running it so that we don't get drowned out by this purpose so thank you very much for describing that because it can also on the on the outside like that social media show reel can look so impressive for all of these achievements that we have that you know you've built this app and doing all of these amazing social media posts and actually to be able to say well on the back of that some days I really struggle and that is really powerful I think that more people who are in the sort of influencing space need to talk about that so thank you so much for being open and honest about that and that some days self-care looks very different some days you find pause through mindfulness sometimes it's about getting in the outdoor space and we talked a lot about your purpose. So lastly, I guess, what about playfulness? You know, what gives creativity, fun and kind of playfulness for you? This is a really interesting area. And I feel I definitely need to play more. <laughs> I think it's been hard this year in particular, um, I guess, because I haven't had that social interaction. And, you know, if I, if I think pre-pandemic for me, you know, the really playful side is getting outdoors with friends and getting active in nature I love for example you know me and my husband went kite surfing on our honeymoon I love just adventure and kind of that exhilaration almost that kind of I like being in control but that kind of loss of control and just escapism and adventure but obviously that has not been possible so much at all over the last year, let alone in motherhood. But I think, you know, the, the ways that I try and fit play into with my kids, because I'm, I'm not one of those people who, you know, I wish I was better at playing, you know, maybe imaginative play with my kids and things like that. But again, for me, quite often that is getting outside with them and playing tag I love a game of tag running around the playground you know all these mums like <laughs> laugh at me because I'm the I'm that crazy one who's running around with their kids playing tag but for me it's also like having a kitchen disco so you can see some themes here it's movement it's getting outside yeah. um, and and really yeah letting that. go as well <laughs> letting go, out, go letting exactly. go physically and just I love that image of seeing you run around the park and actually I think 
maybe just being careful to kind of see that crazy mum narrative because I think that sounds really engaged. It sounds like the stuff that childhood memories is made of, the fact that you get involved and on your terms because I think I'm less of the sort of physical chasing. I can do that too, but I'm much more of the storytelling. You know, my, my son, when it's my turn to do bedtime, he always says, tell me a story from your brain because I told him that that's where imagination oh. and fantasy comes from. So I, I make up stories. And my husband struggles to do this, but he's he's much better at other things like going out in the garden, running around playing football. And we have all different ways of doing playfulness and that thrill seeking, that sort of extra vitality, the little kick we get from doing something that is fun. So I think that's one of the things we want to end on uh, on, on a positive note here around not putting pressure on yourself to, to have fun and playfulness in a prescriptive way, but just finding what is fun for you, because when it's authentically fun for you, you're much more likely to keep doing it with your kids and they're, they're going to feel this is honest and authentic and you're enjoying it and it's going to be contagious. So thank you so much for all of these forthcoming answers. You've been really honest with me and vulnerable. So the final thing we want to do is obviously thinking about that permission. We already touched upon it, but anything you want to give to the listeners as a permission to give them or a pressure to to take off them? I think my biggest kind of take home, which I'm sure you've you say all the time, Michaela, but you know, is just to remember that we're only human and that we're only one person. And there's only so much we can do and really give yourself permission to let go of that perfection to to pause and to play um and you deserve it and your kids deserve it too fantastic thank you so much for that i'm sure the listeners have loved it and i will put all the links in the show notes i don't think anyone has missed the name of your app by this point it's called the nourish app and you can find that if more information on, on the nourish app.com and i will put all the links to sarah's um instagram account which is also the nourish app do come along and follow Sarah and have a look at all these amazing practices that she also has experts doing in the Facebook group and myself included soon when I have a little bit more capacity so that I'm not burning myself out. I will do a few more regular things for the Nourish app as well. So thank you so much for talking to us, Sarah. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Michaela. Thank you for listening to the end of this slightly shorter than normal podcast episode with Sarah Campin founder of the Nourish app and it was just slightly shorter because our diaries were just a little bit busy. As you can imagine it's hard to slot these things in when you're juggling motherhood with work. Not because I didn't have anything else left to ask Sarah, I could talk to her for hours and I frequently have talked to her for hours. As you can imagine we are collaborators on the app. So if you found this episode helpful please share it to mums. Share it to someone who is either a new mum struggling with a baby during lockdown or someone who is a mum of school-aged children who's really struggled with all the tension of juggling everything at the moment, all the pressures to try to perform at work whilst actually also not having childcare and trying to be some sort of teacher for your kids. So regardless of what the age is of those children, from be from babies to school age to teenagers leaving the nest, then actually the Nourish app is a really helpful resource. So Send this episode across to anyone you know who's a mother who might be struggling to open up about how hard motherhood can be. It can be that permission to say, yep, yep, whatever she said. Uh, Without having to disclose very much more, it might be the difference between them starting to look after themselves, perhaps even speaking to their GP about some psychological therapy for uh, postnatal depression, anxiety, stress or trauma that they're experiencing in the motherhood period. 
This is something I'm very, very passionate about as perinatal mental health is a topic very close to my heart. So if you have liked this episode, share it, rate it, review it, and make sure that we keep this discussion going. In this episode, I've covered some really important things. So if you feel triggered by any of this, if you are experiencing depression, low mood, anxiety, or um, trauma in any way related to the motherhood period, make sure that you speak to someone straight away. You can ask your GP for a referral to your nearest IAPT service, that's Improving Access to Psychological Therapies, or you can reach out and send me a direct message on Instagram, Facebook, or an email. And I can put all of that in the show notes if you want to talk to me about how we could best support you forward if you needed some one-to-one support. If this has been a heavy listen for you because maybe it's a little bit too close to home, then make sure that you, when you turn this off now, you go and do something nice for yourself. It can be 30 minutes of just breathing or even locking yourself into the toilet to skip the kids for a bit to just be. Just listen to a five-minute clip from the, the Nourish app a guided meditation or something where you're just being by yourself for a bit. So I leave you with the same thing as I always leave you with, and that's been extra important in an episode that we talked about nourishing yourself. And I will say the same thing again. Please do take care of yourself. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's gonna help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm so that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm this episode of the pause purpose play podcast was presented by me michaela thomas and you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk and because great work rests on having a great team This episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.